This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 494 of the Stable Scoop Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Purina Animal Nutrition, Horse Lovers, and Gray Wall Equestrian. The rest of the scoop brings us a Gail Stewart original called Straight and True to the End. Daredevil Devin Horn is back with her monthly update, and Horse Lover's product review of the week is the Shire's Arma Brushing Boots. This is Glenn the Geek, and you're listening to the Stable Scoop Show on the Horse Radio Network. It looks like a lot of you caught our special Lyme special last week that Dr. Wendy and I did. If you missed that, you want to go back and take a look at your feed for the Lyme disease special episode. I thought it was uh, pretty well done, and we had some good guests that we've gotten a lot of reviews from it, and people who have uh, had Lyme disease or not, and uh, found it enlightening and and kind of depressing in a way because uh, of all of the things that have not happened in relation to Lyme disease. So go check that out. If uh, you know anybody that has uh, people or horses, we discuss both in that particular episode. You'll find it. It was the last episode in the feed here on Stable Scoop. You'll find it on any of your players or on the website at stablescoop.com. Now it's time for the rest of the scoop. Straight and True to the End by Gail Stewart Thankfully, winter is over and spring is here. And with spring comes the tantalizing time of the year when the hearts of horse lovers beat a tiny bit faster. And that's because it's Triple Crown season. Might we see a three-year-old step into the Belmont Stakes winner's circle on June the 9th and earn bragging rights as the 13th winner of the Triple Crown? It was just three years ago when American Pharaoh, after a drought of 37 years, grabbed the Triple Crown trophy. Before him, it was affirmed, Seattle Slough and Secretariat, and just eight others. Winning Thoroughbred Racing's Triple Crown is one of the toughest challenges in all of sport. The first of these races that compromise the Triple Crown is the Kentucky Derby, always run on the first Saturday in May. This year, May 5th. In quick succession... Follow the Preakness Stakes on May 19th, and the big finale, the Belmont Stakes. Let's go back, though, in time a bit. A chestnut colt who stood only about 15 and a half hands high won three races in 1919. But he wasn't hailed as a Triple Crown winner. Not yet. That didn't happen until 1930, when Daily Racing Forum writer Charles Hatton coined the now-famous term when Gallant Fox swept the three races. The first Triple Crown winner was by the leading sire Starshoot and grandson of a 1893 English Triple Crown winner. He was purchased for $10,000 by J.K.L. Ross, a wealthy Canadian and philanthropist. Ross, a World War I hero, was given the title of Commander of the Order of the British Empire for his naval service and his gifts to the Royal Navy. The Colt moved to Commander Ross's 400-acre farm in Maryland. He was trained by H. Guy Bedwell. The Colts' two-year-old year was lackluster at best. In fact, it was disastrous. He ran six races, and he lost every one. When the Kentucky Derby rolled around, he was entered as a rabbit for his stablemate, Billy Kelly. In the world of horse racing, 
A rabbit is a horse that runs fast from the start and leads the field until the front runners tire out. Then the predicted winner blazes from the back and wins the race. But the 1919 Kentucky Derby on May the 10th didn't play out quite according to plan. The colt was entered as a maiden, not having won a race. He rushed to the lead like he was supposed to from the starting gate and led the field of 12 from start to finish, winning by five lengths. Billy Kelly, the one that was supposed to finish second. Unbelievably, that year, the Preakness Stakes was just four days later, and the Chestnut Colt won again, wire to wire by four lengths. Then on June 11th, he capped his rise to fame by winning the Belmont Stakes by five lengths, setting a track record of 217 at one mile and three-eighths. The New York Times reported he was endowed with the spirit of competition and ran straight and true to the end, pulling up without showing the least trace of weariness. He had won the Triple Crown of Thoroughbred Racing. One of his greatest victories came in his four-year-old year when he defeated the great gelding exterminator at the Saratoga Handicap, setting a new track record in the process. But his most famous race was October 12, 1920, in the Kenilworth Park Gold Cup in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. It was a two-horch match race with winner-take-all purse of $75,000 and a $5,000 gold cup and it pitted the little colt against the powerhouse Man of War in Man of War's last race. Plagued by tender hooves, a condition exasperated by the track's hard dirt surface, the first Triple Crown winner lost by seven lengths, and he never won again. At three, he won eight races and was named champion three-year-old colt and horse of the year. At four, he won five of ten starts and all told more than $116,000 for Commander Ross. He was a cantankerous horse who ignored all other horses and hated all humans, except for his groom, Toots Thompson. Maybe that's why he ended up standing at stud for more than a decade, and in 1933 was donated to the U.S. Army to breed cavalry horses in Virginia and Nebraska. War horses with an attitude are a good thing, right? At Fort Robinson, Nebraska, he was bought by a rancher and thoroughbred breeder, Dr. J.R. Hilton of Easterbrook, Wyoming and retired to Hilton's Ranch. A few miles north of Easterbrook is Douglas, Wyoming, just off Interstate 25, between Wheatland and Casper. If you stop in a corner coffee shop in Douglas, you should find a coffee clatch of ranchers, farmers, and business people. Here in Douglas is the grave and life-size memorial of the first Triple Crown winner. A writer once asked, Excuse me, do you know where the statue of your famous horse is? I read the statue is here somewhere. Blank stares all around, then somebody spoke up and said, Oh yes, that statue is in our park, just down the street, and up a little hill. The reporter followed the directions and found a lovely park called Washington Park. And there, perched on top of a small hill and overlooking the park, was the memorial. And so, the chestnut thoroughbred, bred in the bluegrass country of Kentucky, died a western horse in the foothills of the Laramie Mountains on October 30, 1937, at the age of 21 boasting two titles, the first Triple Crown winner and the name Sir Barton. Straight and True to the End was written by Gail Stewart, author of 100 Horses in History, True Stories of Horses Who Shaped Our World. You can find that book and all our other books at 100horsesinhistory.com. That's Gail Stewart.
Do you know how to tell if your horse is a senior? If you guessed age, you'd be wrong, because not all horses age at the same rate. So how do you know your horse has entered their golden years? Well, you might notice gray or white hair around the eyes and muzzle, weight loss, low energy, a decline in dental condition, or a choppier gait due to aches and pains. If any of these describe your horse, he or she might be a senior, and it might be a good time to start him or her on Purina Equine Senior or Equine Senior Active Horse Feed. They both have active age, a proprietary prebiotic proven through years of research to support a senior horse's aging immune system. With Purina Equine Senior, greatness never ages. To learn more, visit purinamills.com backslash active age. And now it's time for our monthly check-in with our daredevil, our badass Devin Horn. She, of course, has done the Mongol Derby twice. She's a 100-mile foot racer, a 100-mile horse racer. She does endurance racing of all kinds. She's a roller derby queen, and she's just generally a badass. So we're following her in her run-up to the, her third Mongol Derby. And I had a chance to catch up with her last night while she was in her car heading to the gym, of course. Devin, since we talked the last time, I saw a little film. I got a oh, sneak yeah? preview at the Mongol Derby movie. What's it called again? All the Wild Horses. All the Wild Horses. And I got a sneak peek at it. My wife and I watched it. And it happens to feature one Devin who was in it. Was that your second year? Yes, the film followed me uh, through my second uh, attempt at the Mongol Derby to refresh the memory of the viewers. Um, I came in second in 2013, and then I had to retire in 2015 because um, I had some health issues. And that the film follows my health issues and my my decline. <laughs> well, let's just film. say, uh, and I know I'm giving a spoil alert here because I want people to be mentally and stomachly prepared, um, that I have never seen anyone throw up as much in a movie as you did yes i really feel like there should be a special award for that honestly <laughs> um because some of the some of the cinematography shots of me puking are just so beautiful i mean i puke into the sunset i puke off a horse you know it's just amazing kind of that that he was able to film all of this really and can we give a shout out to eva Marlowe? why did you insist on putting actually showing her throw up all those times oh, i gotta ask that question have to ask him because you know when people dream about their 15 minutes of fame this is not what i had to find um <laughs> it was not your I, most stellar performance ever that's for sure it's really not um but i think he did a really fantastic job of telling my story um outright and telling the story of the mongol derby he really wanted to i think he put it in there just to show people how difficult the race is you know how how much it takes out of you um and i don't i don't mind puking for a cause you know, it it was a very well done movie. It really was. The drone shots were incredible. The land is beautiful. It really gave you an idea of what what that part of Mongolia is like. It really did do a good job of that. It also showed you the danger. I mean, you know, one guy what broke his neck, and I mean, it, there was all, so much that went on there. And it followed a bunch of people. You were one of them, but it, you were you were out to win. And and some, you know, most of the others were. Most of the others were in it for the ride, and you know, just hoping they didn't die. Um, and there were a few of you that were out to win. And I think he did a good job of showing both, the people who were out to win and the people who were just trying to survive. Um, yes, exactly. <laughs> it, it really gives you an amazing idea of what it's like to do the Mongol Derby and the kind of people who, who sign up for this 
stupid adventure. Well, and it also gives you a really good idea of the culture of the of the Mongolians uh, and oh their crazy gosh, yeah. ass horses. <laughs> you know, the, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but there's a scene um, during the movie that I'm having a really, really tough time. And the Mongolians are speaking around me. And of course, I don't know what they're saying. But when I when I saw the film, there are captions so that you can understand. And it just made me cry like a baby, you know, because they're saying, you know, oh, we need to help her. What can we do for her? You know, just really kind of showing that what makes the Mongolia and the people so amazing is that they'll give you everything that they have to help you if you're in a tight spot. And of course, I was in a tight spot for most of that ride. So. <laughs> It was interesting to see the Mongolians chuckling at everybody, though. I mean, that was kind of funny. Uh, they really yeah. got a kick out of their horses when you would first get on them, and they would buck and carry on, and you get bucked off. They thought that was hilarious. For them, for us to have our Western, you know, butts here and be forty-five years old and not be able to stay on their horses when their two-year-olds stay on that <laughs> without on saddles and a halter. Yeah. Without, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty funny for them. <laughs> it is kind of a chuckle. Uh, the movie was great. I, you know, when it comes out, it's not available everywhere yet. It will be. We'll let everybody know it's called All the Wild Horses. As soon as it's available on Netflix or Amazon or wherever it's going to come out, we'll let everybody know so that they can go watch it. It, it is well worth it. Just It's just so well done. Evo did a great job. He really did. It's a spectacle. I mean, I haven't talked to anybody who's seen it who had, uh, you know, who, who regrets watching it. You know, even non-horse people have said it was a fantastic film, so. Yeah, it really was. And uh, let's hope for a better showing this year um, oh, for you. And, you know, what lesson did you learn the last time? You know, the the biggest thing I took away from it was obviously a little bit of logistical issues that I had um, as far as water carrying capacity and how to train for it. So we just hit April 1st. Um, today is the first week that I've done what I'm calling my intense mobile derby training. I'm four months out from the the, uh, the event, and I'm taking my training differently than I have in the past, uh, mostly making sure that my body gets enough rest and recuperation. Um, I'm not 18 anymore, so I guess I have to start taking care of my body a little bit better, and I just want to make sure that I go in strong and healthy as opposed to overtrained and exhausted. And, you know, one of the other things, too, I think it showed was, uh, and I'm not busting on you here, <laughs> but I no, the, the impression the movie gives you, and I don't know, sometimes they can cut it in such a way that you don't get the true impression, but it showed that you were really out to push it, and that maybe pushing it from the very beginning wasn't the best plan. That, you know, steady out front, but steady in the very beginning, and then taking more risks toward the end was probably a better plan. Is Am I right or wrong? You were there. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, they that's definitely the smarter idea, but, you know, it's just not who I am. Um, I, I push. I push the envelope. I push my limits. I push my, my abilities. Um, I, you know, you'll see this year as well that I'll probably, you know, do what I, I... I really feel like pushing from the beginning is just kind of who I am as a person. And I don't want to be, you know, fearful or, or not true to myself when I go back. Um, so <laughs> that'll probably be an aspect that remains the same for this derby strategy. <laughs> well, and uh, that comes across very well. Yeah, exactly. And I think anybody exactly. who's listened to us talk now every month for a long time, I know exactly how you, <laughs> that you're going to do it again. Uh, now, you have a boyfriend, right? I do. How does he tolerate you? I'm just asking. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Honestly, I have no idea how he, he puts up with half of the crap that I put him through. <laughs> he, he's got to be a saint. He really does and have the patience of gold. You need to keep this one because oh. you're not going to find another one, Devin. Oh, man, definitely, definitely. We're we're kind of polar opposites as far as our relationship goes. He's kind of an indoorsman um, and sort of kind of a gentle soul, and I'm really not. <laughs> you know, you need one of those, don't you? Because two of you would just kill each other. We'd run each other to death. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> if, if I had someone exactly like me, we would just run until we died. <laughs> I'm certain. You need, uh, Scott balances me out quite a bit and kind of gives me a little bit of grounding and clarity uh, and, and really does a good job of, of balancing out the, the parts of my soul that are, are really great when you're doing the Mongol Derby, but not so great when you're like trying to get your income taxes done or going grocery shopping um, or doing other things that you know you need to do to live. So. Please, I, I picture your car to be like most horse girls' cars. Am I right? Full of hay and dirt and yep. gross. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I still <laughs> see in there last week, too, so That's it's what really going awful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what have you been up to since we talked last? I know you're heading up to Tryon. You're going to be grooming at the test event for endurance. Yes. Um, just like in 2010, I will be uh, temporarily obtaining new citizenship. Um, this year, I will be grooming for Sweden. Oh, wow. Um, one of my really good friends, Cecilia Inquest, that I've known for over a decade is riding for, or hoping to ride for Sweden. She's on that long list. And uh, we're going to go up at, to the test event at the end of April um, and get, get the trail to try. Although, I know you've spoken about it on this show. Uh, there's going to be a little bit of a hang-up as far as housing goes. I'm not really certain what's going to happen there in a couple of weeks, but uh, it'll be give us a really great uh, chance to kind of dry run the endurance venue and, of course, the trails. Now, from what I'm hearing in endurance this year, I don't know if this is a secret or not, but what we're hearing is it's going to be um, a loop of like 20 miles. Is that correct? Is that what you're hearing? That's pretty standard for the course. Um, usually, 20-mile uh, loops are, are what they try to do. And then they might cut one in half and do a 10 and a 10. Um, but usually they try to stick to the 20-mile loop. Does that get boring? Do you like the races better that do not loop? Um, for me personally, of course, I like the ones that don't loop, like Tevis. And uh, the Vermont 100 is one giant loop, so you go in a circle for 100 miles. Um, but as far as the way it goes, there's going to be so much stress and nuance and anxiety and anarchy but I think the riders might be a little bit relieved that they can redo some ground. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, because keeping, keeping a horse <clears throat> on track for 100 miles on any given weekend is just a huge feat of accomplishment for a rider. Um, but to do it at a world stage when you have to add all of that, that pretty much anarchy is just an astronomical feat. So they may enjoy repeating some loops and having a little bit of clarity as to where they're going and not worried about getting lost and all that good stuff. So Now, will you be on the same track for the test event as WAG, or will they move it a little? My understanding is that it will be the track that we will oh, be using in good. September. Um, now, they may have to reroute um, usually the test event. Uh, well, usually the test event goes awry somehow, so I would not be surprised if we had to the track. And how many are they expecting to ride in the test event? Uh... Three from each country were invited. Um, so, and I think we may have, last I heard, about 10 countries participating. I know Canada, the U.S. is sending, you know, their three. Um, I believe Guatemala is also sending three. And uh, I don't know if there are going to be other Sweden riders. I do know their chef to keep this flying in, so I'll, I'm excited to meet him. 
So I heard there's going to be a little bit of a housing snafu um, in the next weeks for our test event that may carry over to the to the event itself. According to the um, the information I'm receiving, they're not allowing dry camping, um, so the grooms may not be able to stay with the horses, which is uh, not the greatest when you have a horse that if they get loose can easily cover 70 miles um, <laughs> yeah. without breaking sweat. You know. <laughs> what do you mean? Horses <laughs> never get loose at shows. That never happens. Oh, no. no. <laughs> never, 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 never. I mean, there have been instances in endurance rides where horses have gotten out and they've literally found them counties over. Um, so hey, nobody's going to want... That happened here where the two horses were lost forever. They never found them here at the yeah. at the forest in Florida. I remember that was a couple of years ago. Um, exactly, yep. Yeah, I don't think they ever found those horses, so... Yeah, um, I don't think you're going to have very many endurance people ex- excited about leaving their horses on a showground on the best of circumstances, but when they're supercharged, super fit, ready to go for 100 miles, and then just to leave them and drive an hour to a hotel is really not going to fly. Plus, you're not going to leave them the night after either. So, I mean... Uh, exactly. <laughs> you're going to want to monitor your Yeah, horses. they're going to have to um, make I'm some anticipating, concessions. I'm anticipating a lot of people requesting to sleep in their stall because there's not any housing on, on ground. Well, and from what we're hearing just today, it's, uh, the announcements were made that there will be no housing for competitors on the grounds, that uh, those hotels will not be done. Um, oh, so there, th- what I heard from locals is that they reserved a thousand rooms as close as they could get, but some, some competitors will be driving up to an hour each way, which is not ideal. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with it all. It should be interesting. We'll be there for all of yeah. it. If you need a place, let us know. We rented a house. So, um, oh, great. we're about okay. 10 minutes away. So, <laughs> so. I, be- I believe that Sweden has an Airbnb um, reserved for the actual event, but I have no idea what we will be doing uh, this weekend yeah. or at the well, end of April. Good luck for that. Rather. We're not going to be there either. So. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what's happening there, but, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. All right. Before we wrap, what are you doing to get ready now? You're getting your how many months out? You're only like five months out from, from the Mongol Derby. What, have you done anything to up your game? Well, I'm really excited um, because one of my really good friends, Dr. Dory Hertel, who is a large and small equine vet, um, she's actually been my veterinarian um, since I got my first dog when I was a child. Uh, She just signed up to do the Mongol Derby as well. Um, And we live about 20 minutes from each other. So um, she actually joined me in training this past weekend. And uh, just having somebody with me and kind of um, being able to teach a little bit and uh, having her her enthusiasm has really brought my my fifth year out. I think as far as getting ready for this uh, this monumental achievement, um, it's obviously you know having having company on long rides is amazing. Um, but just her enthusiasm and and you know her her questions and, and being able to train with her has kind of brought out a a, a new side of me. I think. Um, I'm really excited. We're doing long rides every weekend. I'm training uh, five days a week, so with zero rest days right now or rest days as, need, as needed. Um, and I'm feeling really, really good in comparison to where I was. Uh, just comparing the last two attempts from where I was on April 1st on those previous two years, uh, I think I'm stronger at this point than I was previously. So when I'm pretty excited about that. you're doing all that roller derby, so you got that going for you. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's actually helped me a lot. <laughs> you wouldn't think it would be, but um, dodging trees on a trail is, is really kind of a, a mess in spring in Houston, especially. 
And um, being able to, to dodge faster in the saddle is, is actually making it rather fun. Well, you hit your knees less. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm utilizing my upper body a little bit more than I have in the past. So, hey, man, there's, there's a silver lining to everything. Well, we're going to have to get her on. Maybe next month we'll have her on with you. Um, Definitely, yeah. She's such an amazing person. And like I said, I've known her for years. And so the, the idea of her coming out um, and taking this on as a, as a personal challenge for herself is just, really energized me and kind of put the, the lid on my training. And All right. So it's been we're kind definitely going to have her out. And then one of these months before the Derby, we're going to have Scott on. Oh, my God. I, you, you would get along with him so well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he has He's to help us, right? Does he understand he has to help us with our nightly coverage during the Derby? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yep. Um, he, he helped me actually set up with the, the technical issues. Um, Last when year. we were doing those Facebook Live videos that yep. were so well, He's going to be doing that. Um, Warn him because, you know, that's yes. part of the deal. <laughs> Uh, He's the one who set all that up for me, so I'm sure he'll be able to to duplicate it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Devin. Well, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you again next month. No problem, Ben. Have a good one. It's review time. Ding, 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 ding. My favorite part of the show where I get to sit down and chat with listeners who have tested products that they received from horselovers.com and they're willing to come on and talk about it. Welcome to the show, Aaron. What part of the country does Aaron hail from? I'm in Auburn, Alabama now. Auburn, Alabama. Still Alabama. I thought I detected a slight southern draw. I, probably more than slight. It's lovely. I love an Alabama accent. They're so pretty. Thank you. They're pretty. Thank you. So you tested out the Sharma Armor Brushing Boots. Who, tell us about the horse yes. that you tested them on. Okay. I have a little 13-2, 13-3 gated pony. So um, he's kind of a cob size. He's about 850 pounds. So we were able to get the size for him, which was great because usually you can't find things in like pony size or cob size. So I was happy to get those for him. So the cob size fit your chunky monkey 13 and a half hander? Yeah, they, they're they almost too, almost too big, but they, they, they were just small enough that they, they fit him. Yeah, it sounds like, it sounds so like you're, able to wear your little guy's a little bit heavier bone than our 13 hander. He is. He's he's pretty he's he's pretty big. I'm not exactly sure what he is, but he's pretty stout. He's sturdy is what he is. He is sturdy. He's sturdy, yeah. All right. Now these are your standard brushing boots. Now they it looks like they close with Velcro. Do they also have elastic on the straps? They do. They have elastic on the trap strap, so you can kind of don't have to worry about over-tightening it, I guess, too much because there's that elastic there when you close it. They're pretty easy to use. Mm-hmm. haven't had any problems with them. And about how long have you been using them? Um, I've only used them a handful of times because sometimes I use boots on him, so I can't use, like, um, the Easy Boot Epics with the brush boots. But the times that I've used them barefoot, um, I've... Using a couple of uh, packing with them. 
Mm-hmm. So these are brushing boots, which means the boot covers yeah. the, the leg 360 degree, 60 degrees, but the inside edge where the horse might bump himself strike. with his other hoof has that little strike plate. Is the strike plate hard or soft? It's actually hard. I used it this weekend um, when I rode my pony for the first time in a new arena, and uh, they they were great. They had I, I could tell where you know his feet had kind of maybe hit each other a little bit, but the pad mm-hmm. got that. The inside of the pad got that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Now, so, as, as far as was, um, durability, now you haven't had a chance to use them a whole lot, but do they look like they're no. holding up pretty well? Yeah, I was going to wash them, but I went ahead and just kind of wiped them off because um, they they weren't real real dirty, but I haven't had any problems as far as like praying or anything like that. They're pretty well made, mm-hmm. real sturdy. So, um, no, I haven't had any problems on it. All right. And now it looks like they are made of um, synthetic materials. They're not made of leather. No, it's not leather. I don't know if it's a neoprene, but it's like a like a breathable kind of um, maybe like a vinyl or some kind of rubber. All righty. Now, in the not description exactly on, on the description on horselovers.com, it says it is an a, Armor Tech's abrasion-resistant strike pad. So the inside edge where the horse bumps himself, which is the part of the boot that gets beat up all the time, apparently is made yeah. with something called Armor Tech's, and it's super durable. Yeah, that it has a little strip on there that's um, pretty tough. So um, when I rate him, you could kind of tell where maybe he might have hit a little bit in the front, in the inside of the boot, but um, it didn't have any marks on him at all. There we go. And just a, the boot off. Yeah. And just an FYI, don't put them in the washing machine. No, I wasn't <laughs> going to do that. I was just going to wipe them off with some water. <laughs> that never ends well for the boots. I never recommend putting your, your br- brushing boots of any brand, size, color, or shape in the washing machine unless you have a front I loader. I never thought about that. <laughs> I never thought about that. Uh, washing machines That's and, and boots don't get along. No, not at all. I wouldn't imagine. I wouldn't imagine. <laughs> <clears throat> so there we go. The Shires Arma brushing boots. As we record this inner this uh, review, they are available on horselovers.com for $54.99. And they are available in cob full and extra full sizes. And thank you so very much, Erin, for doing thank our product you review. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for tuning in to another week of the Stable Scoop radio show here on the Horse Radio Network. Get our app the easiest way to listen to all 17 shows on the network, iOS or Android. Just download it at your app store. Search for Horse Radio Network. If you haven't taken a listen to my newest show, and it's non-horsey, so horse husbands uh, will probably enjoy this one. Whether you live in Florida or not, I think you'll really like the the Finding Florida podcast. I do that with my co-host, Jemmy, and we just have a blast traveling Florida and going on adventures and recording them for you. It's a completely different kind of show. There's uh, not too many travel podcasts that are like it, so check that out at FindingFloridaPodcast.com or on your Horse Radio Network app. I think you'll enjoy it. Well, we'll talk to you all next week. Happy scooping, everybody. <laughs>